What sign can you show us for doing this? That's the question that's posed to Jesus by the temple officials in our gospel today. What sign can you show us for doing this? For cleansing the temple, for throwing out all of the people that are there. They demand a sign. They demand proof of his authority for doing such a thing. I don't think it's too far away from the show-me-state attitude that we have as Missourians. You know, we demand evidence. We demand proof. And heck, even in the early church, St. Paul in our second reading alludes to this mindset. Jews look for signs. Greeks look for wisdom. That was the same thing that was being demanded of Jesus here. There is an all-too-common skepticism, incredulity, or cynicism that comes when God does something. There's this you know, little bit all too common cynicism that we might have whenever God asks us to do something or works in our lives. And the response that Jesus gives on the surface doesn't seem to satisfy the demands of the people that are questioning him. He says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And of course, the temple officials are still quite skeptical. You know, they say this temple has been under construction for 46 years and you're going to build it up in three days. But Jesus was, of course, not just talking about the temple building. And I dare say he even wasn't talking about just his physical body when he said he was speaking of the temple of his body. Jesus was also referring to his mystical body. Now, what is Jesus' mystical body? It's the church. Christ, the head, and the rest of us are the members of that body. That is what comprises the mystical body of Jesus. It is the church. And the words that Jesus gives to us today could be applied on one level to the temple building, another to his physical body, but also on another level to his mystical body, the church. How so? Well, brothers and sisters, we know that Christ set up the church to run almost parallel with his earthly ministry and his earthly mission. So what happens to the physical body of Jesus, we can say also happens to the mystical body. And what happens in the temple building, we could say, also applies to the temple that is the church of today. And so in our gospel that we just heard, the temple of our God was being overrun by money changers and entrepreneurs. And Christ was obviously quite disturbed by this. And he drives them out by essentially telling them, stop bringing sinfulness into this holy place. Stop bringing sinfulness into this holy place, and he drives them out. Now, obviously, this response can speak to many of the same feelings that many of us might have. And certainly, obviously, Christ has too. Whenever the mystical body, the church, has to confront the sins, the imperfections, and the errors of its members. Stop bringing sinfulness into this holy place. But the sign, quote-unquote, that is given to us by Jesus in the gospel is just as much for us as it was for the people of his day. Because the sign that Jesus gives in his own physical body is a body that would eventually become 
dare we say, defiled on the cross, overrun by human imperfection, and in need of renewal that would only come through the resurrection. And that would be hard to stomach for many people of his day. It can even be hard for us to stomach, too, if we think of the mystical body of the church as a body routinely defiled, overrun by human imperfection, and in constant need of vigilant renewal. Because many of us might envision the church should, that it should be the paradigm, the ideal society, the perfect society, in fact. But that is an erroneous understanding of what Christ set the church up to be. I read a wonderful book recently called The Religion of the Day by Monsignor James Shea that describes this reality so much better than I ever could and what I'm drawing a lot of my homily from today as a spoiler alert. But in his book, he writes that one of the most fundamental errors of our time as Catholics is that we expect the church to be a utopia. We expect the church to be immune from all the world's troubles and errors. But that is simply not true. Because we live in a fallen world. All of us. We are fallen creatures in need of a redeemer. And the church is comprised of members of that fallen world. And in a fallen world, every, always everywhere, without fail, there is going to be imperfection in that mystical body that is the church. There will always be proverbial money changers exchanging currency or the proverbial salesman selling their wares inside the hallowed halls of God. And we shouldn't have anything expect, expect that temple to be overrun from time to time, even though in our minds we might expect it to be spotless. More often than not, there's going to be something wrong that is happening in that temple. We can even see this in the Old Testament, in fact. It was the norm, not the exception, there were bad things happening in worship among the people of God. Some kind of neglect, bad worship, heresy, or sinfulness at play. That was the norm rather than the exception. And so it is in every age of our church. The heresies of Arianism, Nestorianism, schisms, intellectual errors, pokes over the centuries whose scandals would make modern politicians blush even moral errors that have stubbornly persisted in recent decades. That is why Christ came, brothers and sisters. And this, and this is why he gives us the sign that he gives us in our gospel today. To show us that his body, while having its origin in God, is comprised of imperfect members. And that it will experience tribulation and evil. And it is on the cross, brothers and sisters, that Christ shows us that, the, that there is a struggle that takes place within the church in every age, but also a sign of how that mystical body will be victorious, just as his body was on the cross and through the empty tomb. Because her source and her origin, this mystical body, are found in God. And so when Christ tells us, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up, Again, by all appearances, Christ's body was destroyed on the cross, yet it rose victorious. It was bruised and battered, but not defeated in the end. And that is the same with the church too. God has set up his church to be a body, both suffering and glorious, 
assailed and exalted, broken yet beautiful, wounded but full of strength. It is a body that Christ desires to raise up, a body that needs to be raised up, but a body that is made for an eternal destiny, a body meant to be conformed and united to Christ the head. That yes, we should try to cleanse it of all wrongs and errors, as our Lord would want, and to present to the Lord a church without spot or wrinkle, but also cognizant of the fact that that perfection that we seek does not come in this world. The true perfection that our Lord desires will only be found in the mystical body when she is brought to that paschal feast of heaven. That is the only time when our Lord's mystical body will truly reach the perfection to which it is called. That is when the church as the mystical body will truly be raised up. So what sign can our Lord show us for doing this? We get our answer today, and it is the church. So let us not lose hope, not give in to anger or be discouraged, but respond like Christ and help him in his mission of cleansing his mystical body of the church. For we are members of a wonderful family and a body that can feel imperfect at times. But let us never forget that we do not make the church holy. Christ does.